Hi, this is Jack's Corner, where I discuss issues on society and culture here in America. Hello everyone, welcome, welcome back to Jack's Corner. This is my corner and I'm here again, as I said, with the Duchess for Sunday, March 23rd. Sunday? No, no, no. 24th? No. This is the podcast for Sunday. Oh, okay. 22nd? 28th 28th already oh my goodness this see how the time just goes by yes okay i was trying to get my dates right but uh this is the podcast for sunday march 28th you know it's astonishing jacks how um the older we get at least for me um time just seems to evaporate and weeks can go by in a period of a day or two yeah just last week i was saying wow i can't believe the week went by because I, I I thought it was Sunday, and then all of a sudden, my brother's taking the trash cans out, and I thought, what? Wait, what? It's trash day already? So yeah, pretty insane, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a phenomenon that happens in people as um, they become more experienced. For some reason, uh, time goes by quicker. But haven't you also had experiences where it was the opposite, where... Time goes too slow? Yes, like waiting for doctor's appointments. Yeah, like being at the DMV today. Tell us about that. Yeah, I I got there. I got up this morning. I got my coffee ready and headed out. Uh, I made sure Veronica knew to take Lucky out this morning because I usually take her out in the mornings. I did. So I went ahead and headed out to the DMV thinking I was going to get there and the line was going to be really short. I get there, I parked, and the line wasn't short at all. It was <laughs> long. It was actually outside the parking lot. So, you know, I waited, and it took me about an hour to get in, and then it took me another hour, about another hour, to get the whole process done just to renew my license. So I was there this morning a good two, let's see, I left here at 7.40. I got home a, a little before 10, so... I was there a little over two hours today. So, um, did you finish waiting, the process? Waiting, and it felt for like forever. I yes. did. I finished what it, the process. I did well, what I had goodness. to do, and I'm going to have my license again. Yeah. I have my license, but it's going to expire on my birthday, on my 50th birthday, which is coming up pretty soon here. So, how are you feeling about that five decades of life? Uh, it's 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 rough to take in because I've been through so many difficult periods in my life and uh i i have to look back and think wow i'm still alive and i'm going on 50 so and then of course now i think about well what do i want to do for the rest of my life what do i want to accomplish what do i want to do and this is something that i've been thinking about and this is why i'm really eager to push museum americana as far as we can push it with our art all right, so what have been some of your toughest obstacles in these 50 years? Is there one that stands out the most? Yeah, um, when I left Bakersfield, I I lived out of my car for a couple months, and there was two periods of my life where I did live out of my car for a couple months with my dogs, and uh, I... I didn't know how I was going to get by from one day to the next. Sometimes, not always, but God managed. I would pray. I would read my Bible. And every time there was always 
that opportunity to get through the day by not having it so rough and having food all the time. So, and making sure the dogs, the dogs had food before I had food. That was just always my rule. You know, I made sure the babies were taken care of. They had their walks. We spent most of our time at the beach and I couldn't, I couldn't park and sleep by the beach like I wanted to most times. Cause one time I tried and I got kicked off by a, a sheriff, like at two in the morning. And I thought, Oh man, this sucks. I got to go find somewhere to park now to sleep. So, but uh, I usually found gas stations to sleep at or uh, supermarkets to sleep at. Um, never any parks because I don't feel safe in areas like that. And I don't think you can because they're usually closed at night. So, uh, that was, that was tough, Veronica. That was probably the toughest period of my life. Yeah. It leaves you vulnerable. Anyone that has to, um, sleep in their car over, um, through a park area. Um, those are, you know, can be potentially very dangerous. Yes. However, there were times where I actually felt safe in my car. Good. I felt free and safe. I've never felt freer in life than when I did live out of my car. Well, you know, you two, you had two I had beautiful no obligations. dogs. You had I had two beautiful dogs, too, that which were my were protectors. World. Yeah. Spartacus and Spookers. And they made the journey just, they made the journey the best. I could have gotten out of that situation. I couldn't have gotten through it, through it without them. So, yeah, you know, I, and I, I, I miss relate. them. I still think of them and I miss them because they're not here anymore, but I have Lucky. But, and you know, and I have a roof over my head. And where are, um your late babies now they're passed away they're in the cemetery in the pet cemetery we have in the back yes and at least that's something for me anyway i loved both of those pets um we have them buried in the back in our pet cemetery yeah they had their own personality spartacus would talk back yes he was amazing (laughs) unbelievable he always had to have the last word when you were talking to him and if he did something wrong and he'd always bark back at you. Oh, yeah. I would say, Spartacus, stop it. And he would get up on the stairs. And remember, here's a semi-crippled dog that's about five pounds. Tiny, tiny um, chihuahua, black. It looked like a min- He looked like a miniature Doberman, if you can imagine. And um, he would get so mad at me when I would say, stop it, Spartacus. And he would be, yeah, 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 right after me. I mean, and then I said, stop it, because he would talk back and then go, rah, rah, rah. and I go, stop, and he go, ah. I mean, he's like so adorable, just so <laughs> freaking adorable. Yeah, so, um, but yeah. Uh, we miss him. Pets, I miss Pets him. are good to have. Pets are good to have. I'm excited about getting a kitten. We're going to have a kitten in a couple weeks. That's, Maximilian. That's exciting. Yes, it is. Um, losing them, however, is the most devastating it's, it's painful very painful to go through that so losing zeus that was hard and you know when you're depressed and you're going through that that's rough but yes. you know we have great things to look forward to we have our baby lucky who's still growing and learning and she's just getting smarter every day and of course we have artemis who's still you can't you can't get the feral out of that cat no, um, Jackie adopted her when she was about four or five weeks old, and she was just this beautiful, you know, fluffy, furry. No, uh, she was more than five weeks old. It, she must have been about two months old. Okay, she was tiny, and um, she was just out there on our fence top, 
and um, our brick wall and meow meow and uh, yeah I don't know how Jax did it but she um, wound, wound I started up. I started feeding her yeah that's how it all started you enticed her to come into the house too yeah and I would talk to her well, it shows and eventually she got brave enough and came in the house and then she started staying in the house and I said this is this is our this is our girl. Yeah. This is our cat, so Artemis. Artemis. Yeah. yeah, she's so pretty. She is. She's very And lovely. she knows it. I call her the velveteen cat because she has, her fur is so velvet-like, but even better. Um, her paws are just exquisite, like the softest fur you could imagine. Really unbelievable. Yeah, she's a beauty. Yeah, she is. But, uh, um... Anyhow, getting back to your question, uh, that was definitely the roughest period of my life, and that period taught me a lot. What were some of the life lessons you could share? Well, um, I learned that I wasn't always alone, although I thought I was alone. I figured out that this was a moment in time to get into my spiritual reality and awareness and and seek God and talk to God and I took that opportunity to be more spiritual and uh, that's one of the lessons I learned is that you're never really alone when you find yourself in these dire dark situations you're never really alone yeah I'm glad you said that you know a lot of uh, there's a lot of antagonism uh, people that are pessimistic or people that are um, unbelievers of a spiritual self, I think eventually, hopefully, we all come to a place where we realize, you know, we're more than this body. We're more than this personality. And that's where spiritual life begins. And when you understand that, I think are the keys to your liberation as a human being. That life is more than just the body and the mind. Yes. Yes. And you figure that out as you go through your, your, what we were talking about on the other podcast, when we go through these birth pains, yes, we go through this metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. It's comparable to that. I remember, uh, the majority of my life as a young adult, I was an atheist and I certainly saw no way that there could be um, a benevolent being above us that, you know, watched out for us, that created us. Now I don't see him as a benevolent being so much. I just see it more as um, there's life that we have and what we do from that life and what we create is extremely important. And once we die from this body, that we go beyond this body. And so for me, there's spirituality, you know, with thanatologists like Catherine Kubler-Ross that uh, wrote about death and dying, um, some of your philosophers and professors that have studied the um, art of death and dying and just the realities of it, that there's been so many stories of people that have passed over, they say, you know, that mm -hmm. have died, that have memories and clear visions even though they were brain dead and their body literally stopped for up to 30 minutes, 
that they actually had a vision and a reality that they embraced, that they couldn't help but embrace because it embraced them, um, that there were experiences that uh, are indefinable. You know, we can't compare them to this reality. Right, and then there's also the children that are born and have memories of a past life. Yeah, that's remarkable. And the past lives are are oh, sometimes out of this world. Yeah, there's this one child that grew up saying that he was born, that he was originally from Mars, and that he used to live on Mars. I haven't seen that particular. Um, I saw biography. that video. It's on YouTube. How is it? I thought it was pretty good. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I certainly I so think too. it's um, within the realm of possibility <coughs> because we know that with the carbon traces that we have in Mars, that life was certainly. Um, possible yeah we'll see elon musk is taking us there elon musk is doing it isn't he yeah yeah so we'll see yeah it's kind of an exciting time isn't it in science and for in us it is i think yeah. for any generation to be alive right now it's definitely an exciting time because you have so many programs going into um not just jet propulsion, but going into the space industry where they're actually sending cargo quite frequently with all of Elon Musk's Starlink satellites going up. That's one example where the he's sending up of space, hundreds yeah. of satellites to surround our our, um, our our Earth and be able to communicate. And I'm sure they're able gonna they're gonna be able to communicate beyond Earth, where they're gonna use that satellite system to communicate with the moon, a moon base, which I I see us having a moon base in our lifetime. I don't know about a Mars base; that's quite possible. I see us getting to Mars, but to develop a Mars base, that's gonna take a generation. I feel. Yeah, from what I heard um, when I was watching a documentary about this. I can't remember the um, professor's name, but he did NASA moon explorations, and he's like one of the leaders in it. He was explaining that right now, if we were to transport some technology to Mars, we could um, create a greenhouse effect. By creating that greenhouse effect, it actually would enliven the Earth and it would bring the water forth. It's a pretty remarkable idea. Right, because Mars lacks carbon. And they're saying that um, it's possible, but it would take 200 years, they approximate. So you would have to... Um, terraform it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what they call it. Terraform. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that's pretty cool technology, but it's doable. Well, I remember as a child, uh, before anyone stepped a foot on Mars, or on the moon, do you remember? No. You know, you're too young. Yeah. I remember that, and it was a big deal. Um, in fact, I was married to the Comptons, and the elder Compton was one of the NASA engineers that created the um, moon lander. Oh. Yeah. So that was a big deal. Wally Chirac was one of his partners. It was Frank Compton. Um, but that was a pretty remarkable uh, adventure. You know yeah. what I mean? to think no one had ever landed on yeah the they before. just keep getting better we now have a space force in the military yes there's all types of new discoveries that they're doing in technology that are enabling us to travel to these uh extraterrestrial sites that we never thought possible 
And with these satellites now, they're bouncing off radio waves. They can talk way outside of our universe, they say. So who knows what we'll hear back. Yeah, this will definitely shatter my uh, my flat Earth theory. <laughs> if there's a floating planet that we reach, Mars, and we actually terraform it, that's really going to skew the whole flat Earth theory, I think. Because it's already skewing my idea of this being a flat Earth. Yeah, I think that's remarkable that you've even considered that the Earth was flat. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, and, I, and seeing the sun as like a big light bulb. Not a star. Huh. <laughs> you know, like some nuclear fusion-powered light in the sky so this is like part of the conspiracy theory one of them right the flat earth flat earth theory yeah 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 so how did you um become uh, aware of these weird theories just reading them there's so much stuff you can read online and i don't on conspiracy theory sites oh so you go to conspiracy theory sites yeah, or, I've never or, done that. or uh, forums. Like, uh, there's one called the Lunatic Fringe. Yes. Or Lunatic Outpost. Yeah. One was Godlike Productions. I used to go to these forums and read some of the most bizarre things. Well, don't you think that just by the title of it, Lunatic Fringe or Lunatic whatever, doesn't Outpost. that tell you a little bit that they're lunatics? <laughs> Yeah, but then maybe I am too. <laughs> Do you think you are? Uh, no. Okay. Are you extraterrestrial? I don't know. I think that we all come from stars. Well, some of us are not, I mean every human being, all life form. Um, when we had the so-called Big Bang or whatever it was, the meteors. I mean, I was born here, so I'm yeah. not extraterrestrial. Well, you know, but our sense, spirit is is more than this. It's more than terrestrial. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think our spirit is something that you can't destroy by the body. And uh, so there is something more, I believe. I have no idea, but um, I think so. And I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Are you? No. No. Well, you know, some people are. There was a time I, I, would, I would think about death and it would scare me, you know. And then getting closer to 50, which I'll be turning 50 here in about two weeks, it makes me think about, oh, my God. I could be gone any day now. There's people that don't even live past 20 or 18, you know, by tragic things or illnesses. Right. And here I am. So I'm very grateful for that. God's been good to me. What is your um, primary force that helps you wake up every day? Well, I see myself when I think about who I really am in the scope of things, in the scope of this world, seeing the world as a Christian woman, I see myself as the daughter of a king. When I, when I think about what makes me thrive, what makes me be productive is the fact that if you were the daughter of a king, you wouldn't want to spend your day all day in bed doing nothing. You would want to live up to that. You would want to 
yeah, live up to that. And, uh, and that goes with being good to yourself and being productive and being good to other people and knowing that there's something out there beyond this. Some people call it heaven. I would think it's more a place of rest and happiness where there's no, 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 um, where we just basically go back to spirit form where we don't have anything physical, any pain, any aches. We don't have any of that. We're just in our palace, in our realm with our, our father. You know, it's interesting because I've had a lot of different ideas and ideologies that I've kind of examined, but I've never thought of myself as being a daughter of a king. I never felt it essential. I always saw things as I'm a live human human creature, just like a dog, like a caterpillar, like a moth, like a fly. And um, that in itself was more than enough for me to contend with. The idea of putting myself up there like I was royal or something, it just, I never felt that was essential. But I understand that to a lot of Christian fundamentalists, For's for they spiritual, like for spiritual, for spiritual purposes, because if you feel like, you know, times, there's times where I feel completely worthless, like, you know, what makes me any greater than that little ant that's walking up that hill to get to its, its, uh, to get to its, its nesting ground or to get to its queen, you know? So if you thought that you weren't any better or greater, is that terrifying to you? Um... Not terrifying, but hopeless, I guess. All right. Well, I don't feel hopeless. I do feel that I'm about as relevant as an aunt or an aunt or a. Uh, the only thing is, we just can't communicate with them. And if we could, that'd be something really amazing. I guess I see things more in um, biological terms and my spirit is separate from the biology. Uh, anyway, it's just a difference, you know, in perception. Um, and I don't mind being as relevant as an ant because ants are beautiful. Yeah. And I love them. Yeah, I don't like to kill bugs. If no. I, I usually try and just take them outside. You know, except cockroaches. So Bat. with this, so with this idea that you're talking about, that you feel like you're the daughter of a king, does that make you feel elevated above other living forms? No, not at all. Not at all. Quite the opposite, actually. You know, where you're so here, we're so many, and we're so small here. And when I say the daughter of a king, it's more because, you know, why would I want to think about suicide or hurting myself? Why would I want to do anything like that? Because I'm worthy. I'm worthy to someone. And it may not be a physical person here on earth that I'm worthy enough, but I know that I am to my parents and other people like you. But if I saw myself worthy to that, to that which is God... If God sees me as worthy, he's not going to want me to be depressed. He's not going to want me to want to hurt myself. He's not going to want me to get involved with bad things in life and make bad choices. 
Okay. I I mean something to someone. Of someone treasures me, and it's God. If God tells me He treasures me, that He sees me as His daughter, then, wow, that's pretty amazing. That's that's a lot. That's like wow, being a daughter of a king, and and if I'm destroying my life and being mean to others and cruel to others, why would my king want me to go back to his kingdom? That's very interesting perspective. Um, Here's another perspective that instead of having a being outside of us that has judgment and is tabulating our do's and don'ts and morality, how about being conscientious and kind because it's the easiest and healthiest thing to do within your heart and soul. Do you ever feel that? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just using that example as one example. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm kind to people. I don't say much. I agree with that phrase. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. You know, people get offended very easily nowadays. You have to be, what people say, grammatically or politically correct when you're talking about certain issues so you know i avoid the strife and i just listen see i disagree with that vehemently i believe that if you have to say something because you're calling a wrong wrong well that's different if in that situation if you're in a situation where there's moral grounds that are about to be broken then that you know because you have to have integrity, I think, in life to be as upright as possible, to be able okay. to speak up and say, this is wrong. No, this is wrong. So you, let's backtrack. You had said, um, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. That's a very common axiom that people have used all my life, especially females. You know, they've been indoctrinated into that kind of patriarchal norm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I have found, personally, that by trying to play the nice card all the time because I swallowed all of the things that were wrong and let everyone else do what I knew wasn't right, um, that that caused a lot of conflict within me. And I got to a point where I said, you know what, enough is enough. You know, I'm going to call shit for what it is. And... I don't care if you hate me. This is right. This is wrong. You know, you're hitting someone that's smaller or younger and can't protect themselves. You don't do that. Well, yeah, you have to. I did security for over 20 years. So there were situations where I had to, you know, basically uphold what's right and what's wrong. Identify that. There was something you were talking to to me about earlier in your security work. It was very interesting. Um... I think I was asking you about being fearful, and uh, I'm, you must have met a lot of fear in that kind of job, where you're seeing predators or potential predators that are out to hurt your business or you because they want to break the rules. How do you cope with that, besides praying? Well, you can't let your emotions react. That's one thing I, I, I had to really, really just kind of tune into, tune myself into because these people that do come up to you or that do these things where they upset you or they're 
intentionally trying to break a law or they're trying to steal, you can't react with anger because you're going to end up probably getting punched in the face. You know, you have to call it for what it is. It's theft and they know it. And you have to stop them by, you know, uh, letting them know that you're going to stop them because they're taking yeah intervene and you know take it from there but did you um ever or sometimes you get strange people that'll walk up to you that are schizophrenic and they'll just start shouting at you calling you names for no reason yeah that was like that that i would just ignore it so did you run across that a lot um being a security personnel yeah you did there were other people that uh yeah and i just have to i get to a point where i just be numb to it so would you recognize them by body but there was one time i remember there was one time i got i was feeling very sensitive that day and one time i had someone shout a few horrible things to me i mean even saying i'm gonna go get a gun and kill you and and i went into the break room and i cried a little bit because i thought god i can't understand people are so cruel why would you want to tell anybody you're gonna go get a gun and shoot them this is horrible yes what person does that? Right. And um, so you gathered yourself after that event. Uh, you went back out. And how yeah. were they still there? No, they were gone. Oh, good. I never saw good. them again. Thank good. God. Yeah, that's pretty horrifying. Um, so you did run across a lot of people with mental issues. Yeah. Would you say that they were the number one um conflict that you met on the job or was it people with criminal intent it was both both yeah yeah so enough about me (laughs) oh no these are fascinating questions to me but anyway all right um so uh is this the end of the show well i don't know if you want to do sister me or if you want to continue on other topics what topic would you like to discuss? Well, let's talk about why you haven't remained friends with anybody that you were friends with in prison. That's a very good, yeah, I have, but um, it's very few. Uh, the number one reason was because the people that I became best friends with while I was on the inside had drug addiction issues and criminal issues and... Um, I could not have people that I became close to in prison associate with my family if I knew that they were going to start using drugs again or if they were going to get back into crime because you have to make choices and create walls. So as much as you may love someone and care about them, there are boundaries that have to be upheld once you're in the free world, which means that You're not going to put your loved ones in any type of danger. You know, you're not going to put yourself up for being robbed or hurt. So, you know, that's the number one fundamental reason. Um, And like I say, the other one is their drug addictions. You know, if someone tells me, you know, I would steal from my grandmother so I could buy heroin. Well, that's not a very good indication that um, I could remain friends with them when they got out because... I told them, I said, you know, if you're going to steal from your grandmother, you certainly will steal from me when you're addicted. So, 
I looked at it like that. And even though a lot of people may mean well when they're on the inside and they're detoxed, once they get out, they're intoxicated with their drug or they're craving it or their friends want it. Um, the friend can manipulate them to, okay, just go to her and, you know, say such and such or steal this and that. And, you know, I, I just went around that block too many times that, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, verboten. It's something that you just don't do. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's wrapping it up for me. Thank you for your interview. You're welcome. Thank you for your interview because <laughs> you were putting me under the scope today. Yeah, because people want to get to know you. Oh, okay. Well, that's 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 me. You have She's any more great. questions for me? Um, at the moment, no. I'm going to give you a break, but we'll Thank come you. back. <laughs> All right. Peace out. We'll talk to you soon. We'll see you in our next segment of uh, Jack's Corner. We'll see Jack's you. Corner. We'll see you then. Bye. Thank you.